Section 6 of Nye and Riley's Wit and Humor. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tom Penn. Nye and Riley's Wit and Humor. Anecdotes of Jay Gould. By Bill Nye. Facial neuralgia is what's keeping Jay Gould back this summer and preventing him from making as much money as he would otherwise. With good health and his present methods of doing business, Mr. Gould could in a few years be beyond the reach of want. But he is up so much nights with his face that he has to keep one gas jet burning all the time. Besides, he has cabled once to Dr. Brown Sagard for a neuralgia pill that he thought would relieve the intense pain and found after he had paid for the cablegram that every druggist in new york kept the brown cigar pill in stock but when a man is ill he does not care for expense especially when he controls an atlantic cable or two this neuralgia pill is about the size of a two-year-old colt and pure white i have been compelled to take several of them myself while suffering from facial neuralgia for neuralgia does not spare the good the true or the beautiful. She comes along and nips the poor yeoman as well as the millionaire who sits in the lap of luxury. Millionaires who flatter themselves that they can evade neuralgia by going and sitting in the lap of luxury make a great mistake. And do you find this large porcelain pill relieves you at all, Mr. Gould? I asked him during one of these attacks, as he sat in his studio with his face tied up in hot bran. No, it does me no good whatever said the man who likes to take a lame railroad and put it on its feet by issuing more bonds. It contains a little morphine, which dulls the pain, but there's nothing in the pill to cure the cause. My neuralgia comes from indigestion. My appetite is four sizes too large for a man of my height, and every little while I overeat. I then get dangerously ill, and stocks become greatly depressed in consequence. I am now in a position where... If I had a constitution that would stand the strain, I could get well off in a few years. But I'm not strong enough. Every little change in the weather affects me. I see a red-headed girl on the street, and immediately afterwards I see one of those big white pills. Are you sure, Mr. Gould? I asked him with some solicitude, as I bent forward and inhaled the rich fragrance of the carnation in his buttonhole, that you have not taken cold in some way? Possibly I have, he said, as he shrank back in a petulant way, I thought. Last week I got my feet a little damp while playing the hose on some of my stocks, but I hardly think that was what caused the trouble. I am apt to overeat, as I said. I am especially fond of fruit, too. When I was a boy, I had no trouble because I always divided my fruit with another boy, of whom I was very fond. I would always divide my fruit in two equal parts, keeping one of these and eating the other myself. Many and many a time, when this boy and I went out together and only had one wormy apple between us, I have divided it and given him the worm. As a boy, I was taught to believe that half is always better than the whole. And are you not afraid that this neuralgia, after it is picnicked around among your features, may fly to your vitals? Possibly so, said Mr. Gould snapping the hunting case of his massive silver watch with a loud report. But I'm guarding against this by keeping my pocketbook wrapped up all the time in an old red flannel shirt. 
Here Mr. Gould arose and went out of the room for a long time, and I could hear him pacing up and down outside, stopping now and then to peer through the keyhole to see if I had gone away. But in each instance he was gratified to find that I had not. Lest anyone should imagine that I took advantage of his absence to peruse his private correspondence, I will say here that I did not do so, as his desk was securely locked. Mr. Gould's habits are simple, and he does not hold his cane by the middle when he walks. He wears plain clothes, and his shirts and collars are both made of the same shade. He says he feels sorry for anyone who has to wear a pink shirt and a blue collar. Some day he hopes to endow a home for young men who cannot afford to buy a shirt and a collar at the same store. He owes much of his neuralgia to a lack of exercise. Mr. Gould never takes any exercise at all. His reason for this is that he sees no prospect for exercise to advance in value. He says he is willing to take anything else but exercise. Up to within a very few years, Jay Gould has always slept well at night, owing to regular hours for rising and retiring and his careful abstinence from tobacco and alcohol. Lately, neuralgia has kept him awake a good deal at night, but prior to that, he used to sleep as sweetly and peacefully as a weasel. The story circulated some years ago to the effect that a professional burglar broke into Mr. Gould's room in the middle of the night and before he could call the police was robbed of his tools is not true. People who have no higher aim in life than the peddling about of such improbable yarns would do well to ascertain the truth of these reports before giving them circulation. The story that Mr. Gould once killed a steer and presented his hoofs to the poor with the remark that it would help to keep soul and body together also turned out to have no foundation whatever in fact, but was set afloat by an English wag who was passionately fond of a bit of pleasantry, don't you know? Thus it is that a man who has acquired a competence by means of honest toil becomes the target of the barbed shaft of contumely. Mr. Gould is said to be a good conversationalist, though he prefers to close his eyes and listen to others. Nothing pleases him better than to lure a man on and draw him out and encourage him to turn his mind wrong side out and empty it. He then richly repays his confidence by saying that if it doesn't rain any more, we will have a long dry time. The man then goes away inflated with the idea that he has a pointer from Mr. Gould, which will materially affect values. A great many men are playing croquet at the poorhouse this summer who owe their prosperity to tips given them by Mr. Gould. As a fair sample of the way a story about a great man grows and becomes distorted at the same time, one incident will be sufficient. Some years ago, it is said, Mr. Gould bought a general admission ticket to hear Sarah Bernhardt as Camille. Several gentlemen, who were sitting near where he stood, asked him why he did not take a seat. Instead of answering directly that he could not get one, he replied that he did not care for a seat, as he wanted to be near the door when the building fell. Shortly after this, he had more seats than he could use. I give this story simply to illustrate how such a thing may be distorted, for upon investigation it was found to have occurred at a Patty concert, and not at a Bernhardt exhibition at all. Mr. Gould's career, with his attendant success, should teach us two things, at least. One is that it always pays to do a kind act, for a great deal of his large fortune has been amassed by assisting men like Mr. Field, when they were in a tight place, and taking their depressed stock off their hands while in a shrunken condition. 
He believes also that the merciful man is merciful to his stock. He says that he owes much of his success in life to economy and neuralgia. He also loves to relieve distress on Wall Street, and is so passionately fond of this as he grows older that he has been known to distress other stockmen just for the pleasant thrill it gave him to relieve them. Jay Gould is also a living illustration of what a young man may do with nothing but his bare hands in America. John L. Sullivan and Gould are both that way. Mr. Gould and Colonel Sullivan could go into Siberia tomorrow, little as they are known there, and with a small Gordon press, a choir of bond paper, and a pair of three-penny-weight gloves, they could soon own Siberia with a right-of-way across the rest of Europe and a first mortgage on the Russian throne. As fast as Colonel Sullivan knocked out a dynasty, Jay could come in and administer on the estate. This would be a powerful combination. It would afford us an opportunity also to get some of those Russian hay fever names in chilblains by red message. Mr. Gould would get a good deal of money out of the transaction, and Sullivan would get ozone. End of section 6